Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Marshall. My co-host, Bruce Weiner, is not able to join us today but I do have some amazing news. We have a very special interview today. And to be honest, I'm a little starstruck. We are talking with the legend, Jay Massey of Cashflow Diary, West Egg, Interpre- in West Egg Enterprises, real estate investor, educator, podcaster. Welcome, Jay. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And West Egg, that's that was that was like a marketing mistake, but it's good. It's a good name. <laughs> it's hard to say. Every time I'm on the phone with somebody, what what? <laughs> like, like direction? West. Egg food. Oh God. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. That's great. That's great. Well, I guess I'm not the only one, but um not at all. Yes. Well, I am just so excited to be having this conversation with you today. I think we have just so much to be able to share with our audience and the community here at The Money Advantage, and primarily because we love cash flow. Um, mm-hmm. I was sharing with you a little bit before we we hit the record button here that I started listening to your podcast a long time ago, and I know you're <laughs> about 400-ish some and more episodes into your podcast with Cashflow Diary. And I've been listening to um, to that for probably four years or as long as, as you started and, and really just have learned so much from you. And I know that you, Jay, are doing such amazing things in real estate and you have powerful stories of loss and success and you're teaching others. And, and really, as we're bringing in this conversation, where does this fit? Just if you're in our Money Advantage community we are always talking about how can you keep as much of the money that you make as possible. That's increasing your cash flow. And then we want to protect that. And then we want to grow more. And investing specifically in cash flowing assets is part of that stage three of your cash flow creation system. And Jay is all about that. So we're going to learn from his experience in real estate and see what a real estate awesome person guru is doing <laughs> guru that, there's that <laughs> word there's that word it's all good there it is. so let me give a little bit of your background and sure. if for anyone who's familiar with you or maybe has checked out the cash flow diary podcast before they might know this but jay you're a full-time real estate investor entrepreneur a very popular podcast host an author speaker coach and all-time problem solver and we'll bring that word problem in today as well. <laughs> so <laughs> Jay is well known for providing best in class advice and strategies to help new and experienced investors the world over. Now, Jay's platform is really simple. He invests his time looking for investment opportunities and closing deals and teaching others how to find and manage similar opportunities, like getting deals at discounts and raising private capital to investing in multifamily properties, getting leads and negotiating the deal. So by turning that real-world fieldwork into some amazing training courses, new and seasoned investors alike are learning win-win solutions that solve real estate problems for buyers, sellers, and other investors, those three parties to the transaction. Now, Jay's cash flow strategies are embraced on a global scale by people who want to learn better ways to achieve tangible results in real estate investing. In his words, to become bigger, badder, better real estate investors. 
his growing network of cash flow creators is proof that Jay practices what he preaches and teaches what he practices. Jay's currently a landlord, a lender, consultant, educator, and highly sought mentor. He currently owns hundreds of units of properties and has completed hundreds more real estate transactions across several states. Jay also is a published author, and in 2014, he released his highly acclaimed book, Cashflow Diary, 10 Steps to Creating Wealth in Any Economy. So I'm very humbled and grateful to have you on the show. I'm so glad Jay, to be here. Good, good. I have a question for you, and Don't I know worry. you always start your podcast <laughs> <This> <laughs> by is, asking... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go for this it. question about superheroes, and we don't normally start our podcast that way, but I would love for you to share who you were before you went into real estate. And I just need to give a little bit of a uh, setup for this. Now, Jay, on your show, you always say you believe that entrepreneurs are like superheroes before they got dressed up in capes and tights. And so who were they before they became that known superhero? So who were you before real yeah. estate investing? That. <laughs> that's pretty funny no one has ever asked me to answer that question so <laughs> this is cool the uh, here, here's what i would say uh i would say that i i was a guy who just wanted to find a place where he could fit in i mean i, I grew up around a lot of talented individuals never knew where my genius would actually could be applied um, military kid. So I, I grew up in, in many different foreign countries. Um, mm. In fact, uh, <laughs> if we're ever uh, playing Trivial Pursuit and it's anything about the 1980s, please don't ask me because I wasn't here uh, in the United States <laughs> and I don't know any of the answers uh, at all. Uh, so, but that, that, that also formulates a lot of you know, things that I do care about. I mean, I, I've had the privilege of, of seeing you know, communism firsthand and, and many different regimes and just understanding mm -hmm. how to live abroad. And, and, and in fact, my oldest daughter just came back from Haiti not too long ago. Oh, wow. And she was, uh, you know, doing some church uh, work uh, over there. And what was interesting is that talking to her, uh, I, she was just, she just like, oh my God, the poverty, the this, the that, and the other. And I'm like, yeah, now you know, now you've had a small mm -hmm. glimpse for a couple of weeks of, how I grew up. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I didn't grow up in the United States. You don't understand that the stuff that you just saw is, was similar to not too far from the just being able to be exposed to it at, at a young age. Well, wow. I think all of that plays into, you know, a lot of what we do, who we are, who we choose to serve uh, at the end of the day. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm sure that framed what you wanted to create in the world as well as, as you continued on your story. Well, yeah. I mean, when, if you've ever <laughs> bought through life, going through school, et cetera, feeling like you were the odd person out, couldn't quite fit in. You didn't know where you belonged and, or, um, you, you just couldn't figure out, you know, you, you were kind of okay at sports and you were really good at math and science, but still, you know, that whole relationships and friends thing that, that was mm -hmm. always a challenge. Um, oh, sure. it could be a challenge to, to, to figure out what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to go. I mean, my, <laughs> because of an aptitude for math and science, uh, my, my family said, you know, you're clearly going to school, you're going to college, you're going to these things. But knowing what I know today, I should have never been up in college, <laughs> you know, Hey, uh, it is yep. what it is. And, yep. uh, but 
you know, that that's, that was just part of the discovery process to find out, you know, what was on the inside. Oh, I love it. I love it. So tell us um, if you can kind of walk us through that epic rags to riches story that really kind of catapulted you into real estate. And I know I've heard you tell it several times in your podcast, but I'm not going to spoil any of the details. <laughs> I want to hear it from you. Sure, sure. Um, well, we, it, it, here's what it comes down to. For anyone listening, I want to say this. Please understand that your story is not over. It's just beginning. I know you may be in a difficult chapter, but here's the cool news. Chapters come to an end, and then there's a new chapter. There's new pages. And just like when you're reading any book, here, here's the thing. That new page is is a new opportunity. So I'm going to say some things that may shock you, but at the end of the day, understand it's just my story. It was the gift that I was given uh, in order to allow myself to become something more. So, mm. you know, a few short years ago, my wife and I um, were, you know, think we thought things were great. <laughs> you know, I was a financial mm -hmm. planner. I was doing my own thing. Uh, at the time, I had specialized in 401k rollovers. That was kind of like what I wanted to do. And it was awesome. And it felt like I was helping people. And then my um, my wife, when she's pregnant, she has a condition known as hyperemesis. And for those who don't know or not medical degree, et cetera, what it simply means is that when she is pregnant, she cannot consume something as simple as bread or water. Mm. She can't eat or drink. <laughs> and that, yeah, exactly. And if you know my wife, she really likes food. Um, <laughs> what it came down to, though, is that I was frustrated and I couldn't do anything. I, you know, it's the definition of helpless, right? You know, you're my wife almost died three times and I'm just like, ah, what oh can God. I do? So I'm I'm stressing. She's pregnant. And then one day I go to try to, you know, blow off some steam. I go to play volleyball. Well, I grew up playing basketball. I jumped very high. But um, and I so I thought, you know, basketball, volleyball, what's the difference? It could be easy. Long story short, landed on a guy's head, punctured my lung and then ended up in a situation in which I could not walk and talk simultaneously without fainting. So understand, I can't walk and talk. She can't eat or drink. And somehow we're supposed to still go out there and make a living. And that was mm -hmm. part of the challenge. That was when I began to learn that I didn't need a job, but I needed a source of income. And I had mm -hmm. to make that distinction. So we started selling our personal possessions on eBay uh, because that was what I thought we needed to do. Uh, and then once our garages were empty, we started going to our friends' garages. And then we started going to garage sales <laughs> and doing anything we could to get, quote unquote, inventory to reposition it and put it on eBay. Um, it was around this time uh, where we started, we obviously weren't making enough money to, to make everything work. So we started squatting in bank-owned property. Uh, we were making decisions, electricity or food. And a friend says to me, you should become a real estate investor. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've ever seen a dog turn its head to the side and look at you funny, but that's kind of that moment like, huh, are you sure? <laughs> like, uh, with what resources? Because I have found that when you say things like, hey, have you ever considered getting involved in real estate investing? People often say, well, I don't have the money or I don't have the credit and, or I don't know what I'm doing. And I did the same thing. I'm like, dude, uh, I'm squatting a bank owned property. I, I don't have any money. And in fact, if, if you're not paying for lunch, I'm not eating today. You mm -hmm. know, it was kind of that, that way. Really long story short, um, it, he told me not to worry about it. 
and and it was one of the few times where I did not let what I did not have prevent me from exploring and moving forward. And fortunately, I did because it turns out that there was a strategy in real estate known as wholesaling, which is very similar to what I was doing on eBay. So on eBay, I would I would go to somebody else's garage sale, buy whatever they had at a discount, and then turn around, put it on eBay, and sell it for more fast. And they're like, yeah, that same thing exists in real estate. I'm like, no way. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I started doing that. We did a couple hundred of those transactions and, you know, that began changing everything. But then we learned about taxes and that's why we began keeping property. And then I got bored between the single family houses and notes and whatnot. So I started buying single family houses in group. And then I got bored with that. So we started uh, buying uh, commercial property. Uh, All of these things. And in that process, I had to learn to raise capital. Uh, So it's like, okay, so, you know, learn to raise millions and upon millions of dollars and go out there and continue to do all these great things Uh, that eventually led to cell phone towers, which is cool. And that one actually is very cool. Um, Want more of those. And at the same time, uh, I began to be able to provide jobs to other people. So it was it's been an interesting journey and we continue to evolve. I mean, today um, we're we're now adopting a a new strategy of adding short-term rentals to the portfolio because that's, in my opinion, the absolute highest, best use of lots of real estate around the country right now. And and that's what we've been up to. That is just fascinating to hear your story of progression. And there are so many questions I want to ask you about that. one thing that I I hear being pulled out though time and time again is that you found somebody to solve a problem for. And I saw that word problem when we were talking about all the things that you've done at the very beginning. And you've always had this mindset to say, how can I find a problem and solve it? Can you talk a little bit about how you're looking for problems to solve for other people, not necessarily just how to personally get wealthy, but how they've gone hand in hand. Got it. Well, the two are the, they're one in the same. You can't separate one without the other. Here's what I mean. Uh, My problem was that I needed a place to stay. I needed food and electricity. That was my problem. But if I come to you and say, hey, I need a place to stay. I need food and electricity. Will you quote unquote, give it to me? Mm -hmm. What, what, What is your answer, Rachel? No. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> right. Because you're like, dude, I need those same things. Why Why on earth would I give you what I need? I, there's no way you would do it. However, if I approach you and say, hey, um, tell me about a problem that you got, or I noticed that you would, you, you said you would like to achieve this, or you would like this to happen for you. If I can solve that for you, would you mind uh, compensating me in a fair manner uh, for providing you that service, that product, or that thing that helped you get to where you want to be. Well, mm-hmm. now what's the answer, Rachel? Well, absolutely, because now that's a win-win. Correct. Y- you care about you, and that's really what it comes down to. You you want me to eat, but you don't want me to eat at the expense of you. <laughs> if I, If on the way to my <laughs> eating, I provide you value, you will gladly compensate me for it. And that's what I had to really, really realize. The challenge that happens with a lot of people when they go into business or real estate or what have you is we get really, really focused on ourselves, meaning, well, I don't have this degree and I don't have this and I can't do that. Well, it's not about you. It's about the other person. I mean, when's the last time you've gone now, not to scare anybody, but the last time you've gone to your doctor, did you ever, ever ask them, 
do you actually have a degree? Did you even ask? No, you didn't bother. In fact, you spent most of your time describing what was wrong with you, your problem, and waiting for them to give you a prescription or a solution to the problem. Because the only thing that mattered was that you were in pain and that you had a problem and you believed you were in front of someone who could solve it. When Mm -hmm. I figured that out, I'm like, that's like the key to business is you become somebody else's solution and they will pay you whatever you need to be paid. And then you can use that to go solve your own problems, whatever those might be. And it's just a continual refinement of how to serve more and more people uh, at the end of the day. I mean, there's nothing different. You know, you could do this with a lemonade stand. The problem Mm -hmm. you solve is thirst and convenience. I am I am thirsty right now. And it is inconvenient for me to get something to drink. Oh, but look, here's a lemonade stand. Cool. Well, the question is, is how many of those do you want to do in a given hour? How many cups of lemonade do you want to serve in an hour? If you want to do mm-hmm. one, you only need one. You want to do a thousand, you need a few more stands. <laughs> right. Right. So as you are then looking at how do you solve problems for the investor the for yourself and for the person with the housing. I remember hearing you talk all the time that you're not just providing real estate. It's not about the real estate no. itself. It's about providing, I think you say something like clean, affordable housing clean, or whatever. Safe, affordable housing. Yeah. Yes. I forgot the safe there. It's okay. um, but yeah, so tell me a little bit. Let's pick one of your favorite. Maybe it's the cell phone towers or maybe it's something else, but one of the um steps that you've had along the way in your real estate journey. And let's just kind of break that down. What was the problem you were solving for the people who are living there? How you're solving the problem for the client or for the investor and then for yourself as well. How did that process look? Got it. So when you are involved in real estate, there there's a number of stakeholders, we'll say, uh, and who have a problem that need to be solved. And and the three that you mentioned are good, but there's even, <laughs> there's so many more uh, because mm-hmm. even to transact real estate, if you think about it, somebody has to affect title, meaning making sure that you own it and the person who's selling it is the rightful person. Well, that's called a job uh, and, mm-hmm. and title insurance exists for a reason. And someone facilitates all of those documents and the paperwork and the, and the transaction. I'm just really present to the fact that other people have grown used to eating and drinking and they like to eat and drink and anything I can do to make sure money goes into their pockets so that they continue to eat and drink will make them like me. What does that mean? When you go out there and, um, you know, you're looking for a, a place to stay, you want it to be clean, safe and affordable. Now, clean, safe and affordable doesn't necessarily mean it's cheap. It just means it's clean, safe and affordable. And it's a very relative term. That's when I came up with the the understanding that there's Walmart property, Target property, Nordstrom property, if you're familiar with those retail chains. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, everybody, regardless of their, their socioeconomic class, wants clean, safe and affordable, but they have a different definition of what that looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. and You just got to be able to be willing to remove yourself from the conversation. One of the most difficult when I am teaching people and helping people to understand, they go, they cannot figure out for the life of them. How can someone with a few million dollars have any problems? I'm like, you don't understand. They they still have a problem. (laughs) The the problem may not may be unfamiliar to you, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And that was the key is that like, you know, every person at their core is a human being, period. I don't care what resources that they have. So by definition, the playing field is level 
and they have problems. Now, they may have more resources in order to which to address their problems. They may be able to afford other uh, additional leverage pieces that give them the ability to solve their problems with more ease or, or, or speed or efficiency. But that doesn't mean the problem doesn't exist. And the number one problem that every person literally on this planet right now has is the fact that we do not have control over the value of the currency that we are currently using. That's the Mm. number one problem. And we've got to level uh, up our financial IQ in order to be able to address that problem. Because here's here's a very painful but true lesson. Uh, The Calvary is not coming. There is no white horse (laughs) that's going to come over some mountain and rescue you financially. And I found it out the hard way long before, you know, Obama was handing out bailouts and and all this other stuff. No one came to bail me and my wife out. We had to go figure it out and how to provide value and value fundamentally in a capitalistic economy is driven by someone's willingness and ability to solve problems for somebody else. Oh, that's just packed so tight with so much value in just what you said there. I mean, you're solving problems. The capitalistic economy, we're looking to find a way to increase the resources of others. But at the same time, that is done through financial education. I just, I love how you package that. And it is, yes, our responsibility then to say, well, how do I not just depend on this currency, but how do I create streams of income through cash flow, right? Well, yeah, we, we need to own and or control the means of production. That That's really the issue. I don't really care what the value is denominated in. I mean, if I wanted to get paid in salt, then cool, uh, pay me mm-hmm. in salt if, if that's what I need for the means of trade. I mean, and let's be clear, salt was used at one time as a means to affect trade. So absolutely it, it was. The challenge is, is that most humans on the planet today don't own and or control something to which if for lack of a better way of putting it uh if if everything goes you know downhill they have no way of of generating an income that's actually going to be worth something because all of their you know assets or everything that they're doing to generate income uh, is based on really nothing and that's a problem Mm mm-hmm yeah, or something that somebody else controls, an employer or somebody else. Right. So again, there's a lot packed into that. You teach the Robert Kiyosaki cash flow game. And I know that uh, <laughs> yeah. I've actually heard one of your episodes that yeah. was uh, teaching the game. And there's something really specific. And for anyone who's not familiar with Robert Kiyosaki or cash flow, please go get the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. And there's the cash flow quadrant. Um, Jay, you talk about how everyone is serving the business owner. And that's really relevant to what you just said about owning and controlling the means of production. Can you kind of weave those together and talk about how the employee needs the business owner and the investor sure. as you share when you teach that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's basic supply and demand. And and, and Robert um, developed this concept known as the cash flow quadrant. And, and, and it's a way of looking at how you earn your money. And there's four basic categories. In the upper left, if you just draw, you know, a cross, if you will, in the upper left corner, you've got the employee, bottom left, self-employed, upper right, business owner, lower right is going to be the investor. What's interesting to me is that the way the economy works is uh, supply and demand. For example, the employee 
is supplying time and is supplying supposedly skill set and knowledge, etc. And but in order to be an employee, what's required is that they need a job. And that job is typically something that they take from the economy. So they, they consume that that space. The self-employed person um, is someone who values themselves highly, but typically usually has more specialized knowledge, very narrow knowledge in one particular area, but they're really, really good at what they do. And then they offer that to the marketplace. And again, uh, that, but what they're, they're offer whom they're offering it to isn't uh, typically the, the average person, but they're out there trying to, to find that person. So if you think about, you know, an attorney or, um, a mortgage broker or, or any type of job that kind of has a license, they're they're looking for some uh, person to deliver that service to. Um, and then I'm going to go to the business owner. The business owner owns a system that produces, you know, uh, value for the entire marketplace, which is great. And uh, because that that's literally their specialty is how to own and control a system that produces something of value. Well, What's interesting about that is that in order to run that system, it usually needs some sort of grease or uh, we'll call that grease currency in this particular case. And, and that typically comes from the investor who's leveraging their currency in order to go get more of it. And what if you really stop to think about it, in order for a business to run, uh, the business needs employees and therefore they provide jobs. The business needs an attorney to look over their shoulder and therefore they the, the attorney now has a client and the investor needs a place to put their capital and the business is the very thing that has the ability to produce more capital for them. So it's a great place for them to put the money. And at the center of that cog is the almighty business owner. Um, and again, the, the the challenge that we've been experiencing is that we've created a, an imbalance in the supply and demand curve. There's an overabundance of employees who take jobs and there's not enough people who create them, i.e. business owners and entrepreneurs who are out there innovating and thinking of the, the next best thing in order for all of us uh, to have a bigger, better, better lifestyle, if you will. Absolutely. So then as you're a real estate investor, mm -hmm. You're also a business owner. Can you kind Absolutely. of share what that means to be a real estate investor? Doesn't necessarily mean you're just the investor part. You're also supplying jobs as as you specifically are as the business owner. How how can an investor look at their investments, investing strategy and portfolio as a business owner? Well, okay, Th there are many different ways to to do that, but let's just take the case of a buy and hold investor, someone who's intending on holding property long term. Uh, and living on, we'll call it the dividends, the rents, uh, instead of, you know, having to, to sell the whole cow, <laughs> if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, w in that particular situation, when you hold the property long term, you, you create a number of jobs. The, the first one that comes up is property manager. Now, some investors are already yelling and I can hear them typing away. I don't use a property manager. No, that's because it's you. You are underpaying yourself. You are literally destroying your ability to build wealth because you have chosen to build or be your property manager. So you should mm -hmm. be, if you're going to build a system, have that system be independent of you, i.e. someone else needs to be running that role, that property manager, that person is Which, there. Right. That's a, that's a self-sustaining business. Now that's not the business that's self-employed person with all of the, right. um, 
everything dependent on you. Correct. Now you you say to you, well, well, if I get a property manager, they, I've only got one property. That that's not enough for them to do. You're correct. So your job then is to go get more properties so that you can employ a property manager uh, to a full time level. What does that mean? That might mean hundreds of doors. That's great. But now you're serving lots of people because once you've done that, uh, your customer, i.e., tenant, uh, is also benefiting because if if you think about it. You, you're housing them, you, you and, and I try to tell people this all the time, when you go for a long-term real estate, what you typically negotiate is you negotiate a year-long sale with 30-day installment payments. <laughs> that's typically what we, that's what happens with a lease. You're selling that property every 30 days. You just don't think of it that way until you're in the game long enough and you're like, I've got to do whatever I've got to do to keep them paying the rent, which could mean fixing a, a a boiler at the middle of the night. But fortunately, if you have a great system now, instead of that, just that property manager, you now have a maintenance team. Again, another job. Uh, so you, you've got all of these people who come together to achieve one goal, i.e. housing, in order for you to uh, pay down uh, the, the debt service and the mortgage and all those uh, other expenses that are required. Well, speaking of the debt service and the mortgage, you've got this other place, this other entity over here, who wants to lend you the money because that's their business. Uh, and they want to make sure that they make it affordable for you to buy it as best as humanly possible. So you get to organize all of these resources together, orchestrate their productive use to simply provide housing. And you've got to build a big enough system that not only supports them, but supports yourself. And unfortunately, it's very, very possible where we live. I mean, we live in the land of opportunity, if you will. Um, and no matter what you know, you may feel or say, but the, the, here's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is no, no matter who's living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, no matter how you feel about the news cycle today, know that somewhere on this planet right now, someone is risking life and limb, their family, to get here because it's still better than over there. Hmm. Wow, it's just fascinating as you're talking about building this business mm -hmm. as a business owner. I mean, I'm hearing John Maxwell talking about working yourself out of a job, which is really how you yes. promote yourself, but you promote others under you as well, and and you elevate them. and And I'm hearing Dan Sullivan how he talks about building your unique ability and really focusing in on what is your unique ability and leaving the rest to others. That helps you develop yourself and builds your team and builds your your capacity really well and what's really funny about that is that that's one of the most difficult things for people in the real estate world to do is to quote unquote leave money on the table uh because mm. they're like but there's an opportunity over there yes you're right but it's not the best opportunity for you there's a certain type of customer that you are most suited to serve and that's what you need to be focused on and what happens is that we we can easily uh be persuaded by by currency the, the cash dollars coming our way and we're like oh well i can do this and i can do this and yes you can there's lots of opportunity out there but there's only so many specials uh specialists in any given industry and that's exactly what real estate investors specifically need to become is to realize that look you're, you're still running a business that means you need to specialize in any one Thing. You don't go to, you know, a, a, a Chinese seafood restaurant and 
order a hamburger. There's a reason for that. Um, you know, you go for what they do best and you need to mm-hmm. figure out what that is inside the real estate game as well. That's excellent. And I just, I love how you're talking about making sure that you are specializing and also working with other people who specialize. We're all better that way, but sometimes it can be hard to let go and be able to trust others as well as you're doing that. Oh, it's so, incredibly difficult. I mean, <laughs> humans are going to let you down more than mm-hmm. you like, but that doesn't mean the business doesn't work. It doesn't mean you don't work. It doesn't mean it, you you can't make it work. I mean, I've I've had two very earth shattering situations, one which cost me around 800 grand and the other, which cost me around 400 grand. And oh. it was all because hear about of humans, <laughs> you know, <laughs> humans can let you down. I mean, if you can either a, um, in the first instance, um, you know, you, you trust someone, you think that they're actually going to uh, do what they say, but you find out later that they haven't. And I, and, and honestly, both situations are, are the same. It's just different iterations or different ways of, of discovering that mm. the, the people you've trusted to perform a, a role or an action actually didn't. And then when you find out, it's, it's not that it happened that's a you know, massive thing. It's what do you do now that you know? Do you leverage that lesson and, and become better? Or do you allow that lesson to topple you and you become bitter and that that in and of itself is is a lot of work because if you are willing to to take those hits and those lessons and become better you what's on the other side of that is you become a much bigger service uh, to society and you're able to provide even more jobs and more housing and do more good for more people and help more entrepreneurs move forward and that's pretty much where i live Mm, that's awesome. Such good stuff. So as we're then looking, we have this need for more business owners. We have this need for resilient people to mm-hmm. learn lessons and move through them, move at the speed of instruction as you talk about. <laughs> and um, as we're looking at that, we have this group of people then who are wanting to control their financial destiny. Yeah. They're learning, they're educating themselves as much as possible. They're trying to say, how do I create cash flowing assets? How do I get in this position of financial control? There's something that you shared on one of your podcasts, and it was about um, just the cell phone tower market and how that (laughs) works with um, mutual fund companies. And can you share a little bit about that? And specifically, the reason I asked this question is because I think when it comes to, well, I know when it comes to a financial way of thinking, we can do what everyone else is doing, or we can figure out what the truly successful are doing and find a different way, chart a different path. And we can either follow the status quo or we can follow the successful few as we talk about. Share that story, if you would, about um, the cell phone tower. Sure, sure. And at, at the end of the day, understand the basic premise behind that is every one of your expenses is somebody else's income, all of them. Mm-hmm. So. You know, many of us obviously uh, have a device in our pockets or what have you uh, that that is a cell phone of some kind. And instead of actually owning just the device, what if you maybe you don't own the telecommunications company, but what if you own something that they needed, i.e. the cell phone tower? That's that's kind of how that process, you know, that thought process started. 
And along that journey into owning a cell phone tower, I just, just discovered so many interesting things. Uh, because what happens is that when you and I or anyone who chooses to use like a, a 401k, a traditional 401k, Roth 401k, whatever, um, we give those funds over to a entity uh, I won't name any of them, but we're very familiar with them. We see their <laughs> commercials all the time. And then that entity begins to go set about their job, their mandate by prospectus to go out there and find a, a, a return for all of the people who are making that contribution every two weeks. And one of the things that's a challenge, because we were talking about specialization just a second ago. They're really good at collecting capital and, and, and doing risk evaluation and those types of things. That person isn't also good at running a deal because understand, it's not just they have to do something with that money. That money has to go somewhere, just like I, we talked about earlier, where the investor finds a place for the, the currency to go somewhere and then to come back with more friends. This is that same situation, just on a larger scale. So they invest their time so that that mutual fund manager or what have you, they're out there looking for great business owners who have the ability to go out there and give them a higher return on their capital. Well, one of the ways that they do this is uh, they buy streams of income, which is great. And I, I like that uh, a lot because it can help uh, a lot of you know business owners go out there to to be able to build their business bigger, better, faster. Now, understand this. In an inflationary economy like we have, more money today is better than money tomorrow. Money today is better yes. than money tomorrow. So you've got to understand this concept. So mm -hmm. here's what happens. If I go out there and, and buy a cell phone tower, let's just say, let's keep the numbers easy, but close to exactly what happened. Um, we'll say that that cell phone tower uh, has a monthly rent payment. Okay, so the cell phone company pays the owner a monthly rent. Let's say that monthly rent is something low like $1,500. So it's $1,500 to rent probably three to 500 square feet, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> but that's another story. So um, $1,500. So you get $1,500 a month, uh, for 12 months, that's 18 grand. Uh, those contracts uh, typically have a, a, a period of at which they're going to guarantee that could be as short as five years. And then they may have five or 10 year renewals or 20 year renewal periods. But those renewal periods typically come with an, an added risk of, hey, we can cancel at any time with just 30 day notice. So this was my contract. You know, fifteen hundred a month was coming, but we were into this period to where they could cancel at any time with the 30 day notice. Now. Even though it says that they're going to be around for 20, you know, plus years, um, that doesn't mean that they will. So I saw that as a risk. I'm the one holding the lease. I don't know when they're going to decide that they no longer want to rent this particular tower. And then I'm left with a tower. I don't mm -hmm. really want a tower. <laughs> okay. So I started searching and just asking questions. Hey, is it possible to sell a cell phone tower? And then what ended up happening is a, a number of uh, hedge funds, et cetera, and institutions began contacting us because uh, it turns out that one of the things that they do is they will take 
a, a monthly stream of income and give the lease holder a lump sum payment today. So to keep the math simple, here's what happened. $1,500 a month got turned into a little more than $225,000 today. Nice. So now, but understand what happened. Some, they- You gave up the income I, I stream. picked up, they, I gave them the income stream, but who's mm-hmm. the them did I really give it to? Who really took that risk? Because they collected that 225 from a lot of 401ks across the nation. If that, Absolutely. the moment that cell phone company decides that, you know what, we're done, whether they've recouped their 225 that they just spent or not, they're just going to report that as, um, oh, well, uh, that deal did not go well. Okay, that, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then in the meantime, though, understand that they earned a commission on that sale, um, which was probably very good. So in other words, I may have received 225, but it was likely closer to $300,000 that was actually used in order to acquire the tower where the rest went to various other intermediaries in order to achieve receiving the $1,500 a month. Now, I'm not wishing them bad, but I am saying if you had a choice between $1,500 a month for the next 20 years or $225,000 today, take the 225 today. Oh, yes. Because what can you turn that 225 more. into? A, a lot more Way than more. $1,500 a month. <laughs> and that's <laughs> what I saw. And I'm like, I cannot believe that this is how that works. But that's how that works. So if you're listening to me and you just made another 401k contribution, um, understand uh, that that 401k is actually, and it's not that it's a 401k, it's that it's funded the investment vehicles a mutual fund. Understand that that's exactly what's going on. Those mutual funds are finding entrepreneurs like myself, like could be you one day, you know, uh, who are out there making things happen. And then they're in giving those funds to entrepreneurs to go out there and, and do great things with. It's just fascinating. So in my mind, then that is the, the distinction between saying, do I want to hand over my money to somebody else who may or may not make good investment choices with it because they need to be invested? Or do I want to be the entrepreneur like Jay Massey, who is selling those assets and figuring out a way to earn a better rate of return? Right. Because what you got to understand is that the person who collects the the hedge funds, the 401ks, the mutual funds, all those individuals, they have a problem. Their problem is they have too much money and now they got to do something with it. They can't just collect all that money every two weeks and do nothing with it, they have to go find a place for it to work, which is why uh, they do these types of transactions because they're they're good at collecting the money and evaluating risk and putting it to work. They're not necessarily good at maybe building the cell phone tower or building the apartment building or buy, uh, you know, um, building the the network of billboards or outdoor advertising. They're, they're not necessarily good at that part and they need whatever they do eventually buy to be easy to manage. And that's the challenge. But that's also the opportunity for those who are willing to put in a little bit of hustle or a lot of bit of hustle. (laughs) I love it. So tell me then, I want to ask you a question about Airbnb. Um, So 
You you mentioned earlier. <laughs> you said you knew I was going to ask you about I, that. I, I know a fair bit about that. You know, they're, they're my new found favorite marketplace. But go for it. Yeah, and you said basically it's the absolute highest yep. and best use of of real estate at this point, or yep. highest best and best use of something specifically. I'm not sure if I'm if it's all real estate, but share with me a little bit about Airbnb. Um, how you're working with short-term rentals and really where the the leverage point or the advantage has been for you. In Got that. it. So so to be clear, um, the Airbnb is a marketplace, no different than Amazon, and well, except Amazon has products and Airbnb has a service. Uh, and there's about, uh, I don't know, 60 or so different platforms like them. It's just that we're all familiar with Airbnb because well, uh, it's they, they're one of the largest, they're the largest, they're out there, they're doing their thing, and they're in the news cycle all the time. Now, just because you are familiar with those, the, the word Airbnb, do not believe that you understand what they are, who they are, or what the business model I'm about to say is. Um, what it really comes down to, uh, Rachel, is simply the fact, for example, I live in Orange County, California. There are a number of people <laughs> in my own neighborhood who would do better to let their house just be, and if all they did was let it be uh, someone else stay there just on the weekend, they would do better uh, on their house than trying to go to work and, and stress themselves out to make the same mortgage payment. And that, oh my goodness, that same equation exists in so many places uh, across the country to where like, it, and when studies have been done, I mean, if the, it it is not uncommon for two weekends, just two weekends to make most people's rent and or mortgage payment. That is not an uncommon thing. Um, well, when you start to realize what that means, uh, first of all, uh, that the, this type of business is it's an export. It, we have a trade deficit. We have that that money comes from outside of your area for a person to come enjoy your area, and we need more trade. Uh, more more businesses that can help us balance uh, the whole trade equation. This is definitely one way of making that happen. It also is inflation uh, resistant, simply because you know, as the cost of anything goes up, the cost of daily rates also fluctuate uh, as well. When when someone travel, whether it's for business or pleasure, it doesn't really matter. It goes up, um, and it, it's something that utilizes you're you're paying for the space. Anyway, you're, you're already paying for it. Um, so and you're paying for but you're not there. Like, how often are you actually at home? Just just think about how much time you spend at home versus how much time you spend outside the home. And if you ever do a calculation of like just for the minutes I'm at home, this is what it costs <laughs> me on a daily basis. Oh. You will probably freak out and be like, oh, my God, I got to figure out how to do how to do something completely different. So what, here's the opportunity that it's there. The opportunity has always been there. It's just that technology has come into place to make it easy to find the customer who needs a space with, to match that with the person who has a space. And if you're willing to go out there and do the work, um, it's some of the highest returns I have ever seen. I've had some of our newest students be able to turn profits in 30 days, get 100% of their money back within six to nine months. And... I mean, just think about it. If I told you wow. you could go out there and, and there was a business model in which you get 100% of your upfront investment back in six to nine months, first of all, you'd think I'd be crazy. And I understand. I got it. 
And if I told you within uh, 45 days, you're typically going to be running an operational profit. No, yeah, it, it wow. would not make, it just would not make sense. Uh, we've been doing it now for a couple of years. We've, we've got students all across the globe, many different jurisdictions, Canada, uh, South America, Russia, um, the good Korea, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so <laughs> nice. we, we, and the, the stories are the same over and over and over again. They're like, how come someone didn't say this before? And I've now tell people like, look, all the stuff I've done in real estate, it's been fun. It's been awesome. However, if I had to start over, period, this is what I would do because wow. it is the easiest entry point and it gives humans, we're human, we need that little win along the way to keep focused on those long-term goals. And you have so many of those inside this business model while you get to have fun and meet new people and go out there and provide clean, safe, affordable housing to people uh, in a completely different fashion, but still the same. And what it becomes is, is, is this down payment generation engine. That's what I, I try to tell people. It's like, look, this is going to be your goose that keeps laying down payment eggs so that you can then go buy as much real estate as you want. And that's exactly what we've been doing. Uh, I love it. And that's just fascinating. That's giving me a million additional ideas just in, in addition to what I already had. Um, that's awesome. Well, what's the, that's so awesome. let me, and, and again, I just want to be clear to everybody. You, you didn't ask me to share this. This was completely unsolicited and I'm sharing it because this is exactly what I'm doing. What it comes down to is as I build that short-term rental portfolio, it creates a, a significant amount of excess cash or capital. Then store that excess cash or capital in a vehicle that allows me to grow that capital in tax uh, free or tax deferred and then be able to take that capital back out without having to actually again pay taxes on it and in essence using that as the beginning of the down payment but also using it to build uh, what I, I now affectionately term the family bank that's what we that's literally what we're doing if you've felt like you may have been excluded in the past from being able to have enough cash to to build your own family bank, well, now here's a business strategy that we've had people start for as little as $500, which has been insane. Most people, that's not going <laughs> to happen for most of you. I tell everybody like, look, uh, always bet on about $25 per square foot. So whatever size property you're thinking of using, $25 per square foot should get you started for sure. And you can learn how to lower the cost later. But understand what I'm saying. If you could just know, I mean, if you've ever been in a situation where you're like, man, I just need another $200, $300, $1,000 a month. If I can just find a way to make another $1,000 a month without contributing another 1,000 hours, <laughs> then mm -hmm. I, I can make this work. And that's exactly what we're saying uh, because at the end of the day, uh, we need a way to, to, to own and control the means of production. And the only way to do that is with really real assets that have intrinsic value and uh, being able to provide clean, safe, affordable housing is one of those. Oh, that's excellent. And yes, being able to have a place to store the cash in between deals yep. is extremely valuable, especially if you know that you're not resetting compounding growth on that money. And if you know you can access it anytime yep. with guaranteed loan option and it's tax advantaged growth, you're, you're not paying tax on the growth. There's just so many so many valuable right. pieces, as Jay's talking about the 
the family bank. Well, we're utilizing even, that even concept. better than that, because I know some of people are thinking, well, you know what? I'll just go to my 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 traditional bank down the street. Understand. All I want you to do is just think about this one question in 2007, eight, when everything went south. How many banks went under? Just think about the number of banks, the sheer number of banks that, that we kept hearing about were going under. Now, now that you've got that thought in your head, I'm going to ask you another question. How many insurance companies went under? Do some small, Very <laughs> do some small research and you'll understand why I'm saying what I'm saying. Absolutely. And we'll provide some links to that type of research as well in the show notes for this episode. So thank you for bringing that out, Jay. And yes, that Just is excited. That is what we're talking about on a regular basis um, <laughs> with specially designed life insurance contracts. And so thank you for, for sharing yeah, no that problem. as well. I, I just wanted people to know that, that, that what you do was a part of, it's a part of the strategy because, and it's now a more, it's an easier reachable part of the strategy because- you, you may have felt excluded before because you're like, dude, I, I barely make enough money to eat. Well, I, I understand right. that. Right. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So as we um, work towards the close, I, I could talk to you for about 16 weekends here. <laughs> <laughs> and then some, this conversation is fascinating and just so just packed full of rich information to share with our audience. But um, what are you working on now? You've mentioned the coaching, you've mentioned helping other people get started in investing. What are you working on now and how can, how are you helping other people to do this for themselves? Okay. So you're going to, you're, you're, I think you're going to enjoy this. So you, you just got to understand. Um, what I'm working on ultimately is, is really two things. One, I want to make sure that nonprofits have a way of generating self-sustainable income because it's really frustrating to me uh, that churches and the like always are saying, we need money, we need money, we can't go do the good unless we get more money from you, the person that's there. Now, I'm not saying that people don't shouldn't give. They should, absolutely. But the fact that the church is dependent on someone else's need to give is the mm-hmm. part that rubs me the wrong way. And I'm like, there's got to be something that we can do about this. Uh, so being oh, able it. to teach and educate uh, nonprofits on how to leverage, again, real estate to go out there and create self-sustaining income is, is really important to me. Second um, is I, I think uh, one of the fun things and now, and and that's what gets me excited. I was like, Hey, this would be fun. So let's do it is uh, that I would like to own a sports team. Uh, So because I would like to own a (laughs) professional sports team, um, it requires me to execute a number of things. First, uh, the sports teams are not purchased by one person. Typically, they're usually purchased by a group of people. And I experienced this challenge back, man, when I had only about 117 houses or so, and I was uh, calling myself retired um, in my late 30s. Is like, ah, not a, it's very boring. So uh, I didn't. <laughs> I love that you said that. Retirement is not the end all be all. No, not at all. I love it. I love it. That's something we talk about all the time as well. Not at all. Um, And I found myself in this situation to where I didn't, you know, I had nobody to go play with. And the other people who could play um, 
were, you know, I, I didn't really know them. Um, I mean, obviously they were well off and all these types of things, but I didn't really necessarily like hanging out with them. So it's like, ah, I'm stuck. The people I like hanging out with are at work. Um, the people I don't like hanging out with, but can afford to go places are, are, are there, but that's no fun either. So I said to myself, all right, if I want to own the sports team, I want to own it with people that I like hanging out with. Well, the challenge is, is that the people I like hanging out with don't have money. So I was like, all right, cool. What I need to do, I need to teach them how to get money. That's what I need to do. So my secret goal is to make sure that we develop enough six and seven figure students so that when it's time to buy a sports team, they can contribute to the purchase price of the sports team. And then I get to hang out with people that I like as well. (laughs) you said it like that that's awesome i did not know about the sports team part in all of the podcasts i've listened to you talk i did not know about the sports team that's that's really fascinating yeah uh so it 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 means that uh, you know we we produce a lot of content we 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 do our best to to share the message to let people know whether that's on on our podcast i think we're actually approaching two million downloads now which i'm pretty excited about um and then we uh, were YouTube. Uh, we're also now uh, going to be doing things on Instagram uh, as well, and obviously Facebook. I love it. I love it. So, what if one of our listeners or many of them wanted to reach out to you <laughs> and um, and connect? I know you have events, you have investor events, you have your website. Um, you answer a lot of tough investing questions. How can they connect with you and get more information to be able to move forward in their investing career or just to um, maybe they like you and they want to hang out with you? <laughs> no doubt. Um, Cashflowdiarypodcast.com is the fastest way to begin to get more of, of what we're up to and, and what we've got going on because that's our podcast. That's in iTunes. Uh, obviously, in Cashflow Diary on the other social media platforms, like I said, YouTube, Instagram, et cetera. Uh, for those of you who think, you know what, I I think I like this whole short-term rental thing. Um, I would encourage you to go uh, to cashflowdiary.com forward slash star, S-T-A-R, cashflowdiary.com forward slash star, because uh, we go over a very meaty, deep understanding of how this business model works, why it it works right now, the, the time windows. I mean, it is a great time to be an entrepreneur to say the least, uh, but even better, is when you get to be uh, at the forefront of an emerging opportunity because uh, ultimately what we like to do uh, is approximately, we'll say every 90 to 120 days or so, uh, we get a big group of our students together. We usually meet out here in Southern California and uh, we just talk about how we can add to each other's bottom line uh, with all the strategies that we've learned in the last 90 days. And it's becoming this really, really fun, awesome, thing that uh, a lot of people get to participate in and grow. And we, we are helping people leave their job in record time and in record numbers. Oh, I just absolutely love it. So we will make sure that we've got all of those links in the show notes. And if you like me want to hang out with Jay a little bit more, um, go ahead and make sure that you grab um, that link. Um, he also, Jay, you also have a book, Cashflow Diary, 10 Steps to Creating Wealth in Any Economy. Yep. We'll make sure that's available on the website as well. As well, I don't know where that Southern draw came from there. <laughs> it's all good. 
Um, <laughs> and um, so thank you so much for spending your valuable and precious time, which is one of your resources with us today. Um, just your heart to be able to give and serve others and be able to uplift and, and be that tide that rises all ships with you is just extremely apparent. And so thank you for that um, go-giver spirit that, you, that you're sharing with. And, um, and we're just so honored to be able to have you today. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Well, in closing, if you as our listener would like to create a comprehensive strategy to most effectively store your capital, just exactly as Jay was talking about, where you have safety, liquidity, and growth, and you can invest in cash flowing assets to build that time and money freedom, go ahead and email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com. We'll also have our contact link on the show notes at themoneyadvantage.com. You can request your free financial picture conversation. We'll really help you to maximize your wealth today and in the future by discovering the money that's flowing out of your control, strategizing ways to get more flowing back into your control so that you have more to retain more to utilize, and more to pass on to future generations. So again, special thanks to Jay Massey for being with us today. Thanks to you, our listeners. And in closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.